Hello, and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about horny fairies so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. Joining us to discuss this overwhelming installment of the Court of Thorns and Roses series is Meredith Goldstein, a Boston Globe advice columnist who once got into a heated fight with a Boston Globe copy editor about how to spell fairy. Hello, Meredith. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, for starters, I would like you to go on the record with your preferred spelling of fairy. Uh, well, I mean, I'm all for different spellings, but I feel like when you get into these kinds of books, like there's an E in there, right? Oh, like, yes. So, but if you're like a Boston Globe copy editor who's like more interested in like the spotlight team, this is not the <laughs> argument. This is not the argument you want to be having, but we had it and I won. Are you saying there's not going to be a movie where Mark Ruffalo just screams F-A-E-R-I-E? Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> That is, I I would pay to see that movie. I would too. Let's kickstart it. <laughs> uh, also, right off the top, is there a difference between fae and fairy? Because I feel like there is, but I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I feel like traditionally, and this is just in my reading books like the books about like folklore instead of having friends when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, I think that the Fae are considered, like, the more, I don't want to say evil, but, like, the darker creatures, like, they're the ones who steal your babies Mm. and replace them, and, like, are you want to stay away from them, and they try and trap you places and stuff like that, whereas Fairy is, has become, like, the more like mischievous but like we like them and they're pretty and they're not like out to get us kind of stories traditionally like going back to like folklore times so it's intention intention versus see i had thought it was like all fairies are fae but not all fae are fairies Mm. i mean that could that could be what it is i don't know what else is under that category yeah well, even here, we have, like, high fairies. High fae, right? High, high fae, and they're all fairies. We're jumping right in here. Uh, I should also say off the top, this is book three in a series, and if you ever plan to read the series, which I'm not going to stop you. If you ever plan to read it and you really don't want to be spoiled, like, probably stop listening to this episode. But I will also say that if you're like me, you're not going to retain any of this information, and it will just be, like a surprise to you once you get back into this book like oh yeah I think I did know that it was sort of based on Beauty and the Beast but I mean it's there's so much that I feel like it's almost impossible to spoil these because I I agree I liken these books to like Law and Order where I'll see a Law and Order episode I've seen like a hundred times but I still don't know who did it with this I've read all of these books twice and I was like completely blank about what happened like narratively <laughs> so it was a surprise every time yes <laughs> um and meanwhile kate you skipped the first two and jumped to this one how'd that go for you not great <laughs> <laughs> um i so a little bit of background i'm sure you probably follow at least renata on twitter because she's funnier than i am on twitter but she was live tweeting these and like refer has been referring to them as the horny fairy books. So I guess I went in expecting them to be more erotica when really there, I mean, there are, there, they, these fairies are very horny. I am not disputing that. But <laughs> Thank there's you. also a lot about politics and warring fairy factions and made up fantasy names and 
like there's a map at the beginning. I opened the book and I was like, you, I cannot believe you're making me read a book with a map. Well, and here's the thing is I'm I'm well known on the record, hate a fantasy map. Don't give a shit about <laughs> a fantasy country. And I didn't even know there was a map in this one. You said, I was like, is there? And I look back and I was like, oh yeah, there is. I ignore that shit. I ignore all the politics. I just, to me, all of the, anytime they're not talking about how horny they are, I think it just comes out to me as like Charlie Brown teacher sound. <laughs> I'm like, all right, yeah, they got to go and get like the Horcrux and like, I don't know. They're going to France or something. I don't care. They're not going to France. They're not doing any of this. But I'm just sort of, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just, it was very, it was hard to follow, like, the the political parts of it. Um, and, I mean, political is maybe not the word to use, but I can't think of what think other word to like, use. Yeah, I mean, fictional fairy politics. Yeah. Um, cause they're, I mean, it is like, it's mid war, like a, a one part of a war just ended and like it's building up to another part. So coming in like midway through was a little confusing and I had read the Wikipedia and there is a fan wiki for this series as well. And I had read those, uh, the summaries of the books on that, but it, the whole thing kind of felt like Charlie Brown teacher talking as I was reading through it. I, there were too many weird names. There was too much backstory that I couldn't keep it all in my head and I was felt like it didn't it didn't affect I don't want to say my enjoyment like it's not like I was so lost that if I had been reading this for pleasure I would have like thrown it down and run away but it was confusing yeah so let's talk about why I made you do this and jumped on the third one (laughs) rather than start the first one uh because and I think Meredith can speak to this as well the the first book and I am going to ruin all the titles. I'm going to wings and ruin the titles of all of these. Because <laughs> they're all just like Mad Libs. Like the something of something and something. The first one I'm pretty confident is Court of Thorns and Roses. Mm-hmm. And it's like a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And it sets up our heroine Feyre. Who is a human girl who's like from a poor family. And she has two sisters who are horrible. And her dad is horrible. And everything's horrible. And she's the only one who will do anything to help her poor family. So she goes out into the woods and hunts and kills a wolf. But actually the wolf was a fairy. Or a fae. And so then she has to go, like, as punishment for the life she took, she has to go and live with Tamlin, who is the High Lord of the Court of Spring. Spring. Yes, I'm nailing it. Um, (laughs) And it's and then it's kind of a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Oh, and everyone in the house, uh, everyone in his house has masks stuck to their faces <laughs> yes, they do. because of a curse, which just seems like the weirdest curse. It's of a all pretty the like curses you can give. Like that feels like oh, like it sucks that this mask is stuck to my face. It's itchy. Yeah, but like I feel like if you look at the traditional Beauty and the Beast, where it's like oh, I'm a teapot now. Like there's a different. <laughs> well, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think. So she thinks the curse is one thing, and then halfway through the book, they're like, oh, the curse is actually a different thing, but your mortal mind couldn't comprehend it. Yeah, there is something about that, right? And I think maybe it wasn't even masks. And there's something where she... masks plus. It's masks plus. (laughs) It's like way bigger than masks. It's mask for mask. And... (laughs) And there's all these, th- and, and it is this Beauty and the Beast thing where the where Tamlin is this high lord, and he's been cursed, where he has to make a human girl who killed a fairy fall in love with him, 
And if he doesn't, then magic will die. Magic something. Something, something bad happens on the magic. She does fall in love with him, but it's like just past the deadline. She doesn't say it. She doesn't say it. She's got to say it out loud. She's got to say it. So then he, they get taken to under the mountain, which is this like weird sex dungeon. <laughs> it's totally sex dungeon. <laughs> and she has to do these three tasks. And, and now like the terms are renegotiated. Where she's like, no, I do love him. And the Amarantha is like the evil queen. And she's like, okay, you have to do these three tasks. And one of them is, like, fight a worm. (laughs) A big worm. A really big worm. It's very large. A really big worm. And she does, but she's hurt in the process of worm fighting. And this is where she meets... Rysand? Rysand. We literally just looked up how to say these names and I forgot them. (laughs) She meets Rysand, who's from... There's seven fairy courts, by the way. There's... Spring, summer, fall, and autumn. Fall and autumn is the same thing. Dawn. <laughs> there's one for each season, and then there's dawn, day. day, and night. And they call it night court. And <laughs> and they're not aware of the sitcom <laughs> at all. <laughs> so he's from Rysand? Reese? Reese. Reese is from night court, and he's, <laughs> he's not a lawyer. But he... He's very horny, and he he heals her from the worm. <laughs> Guys, I love these books. He heals her from the worm fight. <laughs> he does heal her with magic. With magic. With magic, and then he makes this bargain with her, where in exchange for the healing, if they ever get out of the under the mountain sex dungeon, she owes him a week of every month. But she every can't... time you make a promise with a fairy, you get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> As we all know. So she gets this tattoo. Oh, and then the third task to defeat the queen is Feyre has to kill some other fairies. But in the middle of killing the other fairies, she suddenly solves the riddle that was her alternate task. So she defeats Amarantha, the evil queen. Magic is restored. Everybody gets to take their masks off. It's great. I would have so much eczema under that mask. I'd have masks stuck to my face for like a century. I'd be a mess. They're going to go back and do fairy sheet masks. They're going to have really elaborate <laughs> Korean fairy skincare setups. Uh, that's my Wings and Ruin fan fiction. It's just that. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's basically what happens in book one. So oh. book... And then she dies. Oh, fuck. Oh, and then she dies. <laughs> because the she had never, when the, when the evil fairy set out, like, the rules, she had never said that she wouldn't kill her if she solved the riddle or something. It's one of those, like, weird fucking dumb loophole things. So she kills her, but then all the other fairies get together and resurrect. Correct me the, if I'm the wrong. High I read Lords. this on Wikipedia. Yes, the seven high lords. One high lord from every court gives her like a grain of his power, and that brings her back to life and makes her. Uh, you're right. I can't believe this is very important. Now she is a high fae as well because she's been reborn as a fae, and she gets. All of their power. So each of the high lords of the courts has some kind of additional power that's sometimes sort of related to what their court is. Like, I think Summer Court has, like, fire powers or something. Um, But she gets all the powers. So I don't necessarily like to throw in the term Mary Sue because it's usually sexist and in its use. But, I mean, she's literally the most special girl in the whole kingdom. She has all the power. Nobody else has ever done this. No one else has all the fairy powers. Uh, everyone's in love with her, obviously. But anyway, yeah. So she gets to go back, and she has she's in love with Tamlin, and 
and everything's great. So book one establishes that. And then in book two, everything's not great, and she doesn't love Tamlin anymore. Well, because Tamlin <laughs> is a controlling boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes, and when she was a human, she didn't, like, know any better, and she didn't care, but now she's like, I'm powerful, too, and you're, like, keeping me locked in the house because you're so worried about me, but actually, I have all the fairy powers, and, like, fuck off. And it sounds like, too, again, from the Wikipedia summary, mm-hmm. that she's got some hardcore fairy PSD going on. PTSD. Yes, oh, yes, bad, yes. Bad. PTSD, yeah. Yes, she's very traumatized from time in the Under the Mountain Sex Dungeon. She has nightmares. She has this mental link with Reese. And so occasionally he's, like, popping in on her nightmares. And um, and t- she doesn't want Tamlin to know about it. She's, like, keeping it all very secret. They need couples therapy, like, big time. They need therapy for sure. They're not getting it. Uh, and they're... And, oh, meanwhile, Reese has not been cashing in on the week every month thing. Like, she hasn't seen him at all since they left under the mountain. But then on her wedding day, he rolls up and he's like, oh, I get you for this week. We're leaving right now for, like, your week at night court. Bye. And... Just just to leave her wedding. Which, (laughs) P.S., she doesn't want to have. She doesn't want to have it. Yes. Um, But it's it's a high drama move. Uh, And then at night court, she goes... By the way, all the other courts think that night court is the scariest and worst court. And it's just terrible. And they're just like... I don't know. Torturing dep- people in the streets. Yeah, yeah, like depraved, horrible nightmare things. But it turns out there's two night courts. There's the Court of Nightmares and the Court of Dreams. And the Court of Dreams is very secret and everything there, as you can imagine, is very like nice and pleasant and wholesome and also sexy. Yeah, but I don't know if wholesome would be the word. Yeah, as like. soon as I said it, I was like, not wholesome, but like <laughs> not but like nice. Like they're not torturing people they're like chill but the court of nightmares that's like a like they want to be in the court of nightmares they're like into it down there right they're like the sex they're like another sex dungeon situation yeah i mean yes i think the people who choose to live in the court of nightmares are but they must have some people there against their will i guess so but no one ever suggests that they're like locked up there like they're just like doing their weird kinky night nightmare stuff i yeah i don't yeah. yeah mostly yes um Anyway, so of course she falls in love with Reese and realizes that uh, he's, you know, his court is much better than the stupid spring court where everyone has to be springy all the time. And she's like into this dream court instead. And then they just, that's when they start uncovering a plot to, they have to get these three horcruxes that are not called horcruxes, but they are horcruxes. So there's a lot of like traveling around and like training with her fairy powers and getting this shit and falling in love and being... <clears throat> but they also realize that they're, like, mated. I think... Okay, so something we gotta talk about is the concept of the mating bond, where, like, you can be married... Like, fairies can get married or partnered, but not everyone has a mate, and you might not necessarily, like, actually like your mate, but you just are connected to them, and it's this, like, amazing bond that you have... But Reese and Feyre turn out to be mates. But Reese knows about it for a long time, and she is completely oblivious to it. And I don't understand how this works. Like, how do you not know? How do you not feel this soulmate bond? What are you doing? Well, then later she's like, I guess I knew secretly all along. Like, she's like, I knew I knew I felt something. I don't know. It's like Twilight. It's like imprinting, right? 
Yeah. I mean, because it, it's... But imprinting proud. only goes from the werewolf to the human. Like, the human can do whatever. The mating bond goes, like, both ways. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, maybe if she... So here's my, here's my Watsonian explanation for this. Maybe because, like, she just got reborn as a fairy and she's got all this other weird shit going on that she might not realize that that's not a thing. Okay. You know, like, because she has this mental bond to him and it's because she's his mate, but it could just be that she's like, oh, like, maybe it's because I have this tattoo. Like, I I can see her without knowing all of the background and especially, like, having gone through this traumatic thing. The Doyleist explanation (laughs) is, of course, that Sarah J. Mass did not put a lot of thought into this. (laughs) But I can... But because it seems like when people are explaining mating monster, it seems like this happens other times where, like, one person realizes and the other person doesn't, even if they're both regular fairies. Yeah. But so they are mated is the point. They are mated. Like... I always, I'm always going to, I don't, I was just talking about this with someone else and I can't remember where or why, but like I've gone back and forth over the course of my existence on this planet as a person who reads shit like this about how I feel about like soulmates and like life bonds and life mates and stuff like that in fiction. And the major issue that I tend to have with it is when like there is no real depiction of queer mated pairs and that if there is queer mated pairs and but also queer people are still persecuted that doesn't make any sense because like clearly this is a thing that happens that nobody can control and why would you develop this like, if this is, like, your thing that comes down from your gods on high, like, why would you develop a prejudice against it? I don't know. I have a lot of issues with how the queer content in this is handled, and I'm sure we will get to that. We will. And the queer content is whack, it for is sure. A mess. Even on top of how whack everything else is. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any, there maybe are the most casual mentions of queer characters in the first two. It doesn't really come up until the third book. And even then it's very clearly an afterthought, but uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, they're just not consistent about whether or not these people are like, it's just no big deal. And of course, or because they do mention people who are mated in that way, who are not heterosexual couples, but then you're right like why would that not be okay later if they're like super i don't know um they also seem inconsistent about like how long fairy lifespans are because it's like immortal question mark but also maybe not and then also children and how they have them and how they're raised and like when you they go back and it doesn't seem to add up surprisingly yeah but let's let's zoom through book two so that we can talk a little bit about book three Mm -hmm. so essentially she falls in love with reese they find out that there is this plot. There's this other fairy king who... Highburn? Is that... Am I saying that? Is that the right... That seems I don't remember. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to counter... I contradict you. Um, who... He wants to... His kingdom used to have humans as slaves. And there's this big, like, treaty between the humans and the fairies. And he wants to destroy the treaty and take over the human population again. And she finds out that he is working with Tamlin and the Spring Court, theoretically, to, like, quote unquote, get her back. Um, So at the end, 
some sort of confrontation happens and at the end she pretends that Reese was actually keeping her against her will and had her like under some sort of spell and pretends that she's like come out of it she's like oh my god Tamlin like he kept me against my will like really it's you I love to go back and infiltrate the Bring Court and this other kingdom because one of the things that they did in their pursuit of her was kidnapping her sisters and then uh, sacrificing them to this is it an actual cauldron? I think it's a yes. cauldron. One it's of a the, physical cauldron. One of the horcruxes is like an actual cauldron and they, they refer to this at, like they'll talk about like by the cauldron and it's like some sort of religious thing but it's also very much a literal actual cauldron. So they put her human sisters in it and they died but came back as fairies and they're like And they pissed. came back wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like pet cemetery. Yes. <laughs> And they are mad about it. Yeah. So she pretends so that she can, like, get close to them and figure out their plan so that she can then go back to the night court. I can't believe I forgot the night court. Uh-huh. <laughs> with all this insider information. So when the book, the third book opens up, she's pretending that she's still, like, traumatized from, like, being with Reese in, like, the night court where she was tortured all the time. And so, like, she can't have sex with Tamlin. But, like, you know, she pretends that she's his willing wife. And one of the things was that he wouldn't make her a lady, the high lady of the spring court. But Reese was like, I'll make you the high lady of the night court, which is a big deal, I guess. I guess. No, it's yeah. like- Apparently, like, when she first finds out that um, that Tamlin is high lord, he's like, oh, she's like, oh, so if I married you, would I be a high lady? And he's like, there's no such thing as high ladies. It's only high lords. And then you would just be like the queen or something but not like a high lady um so i th- i think she's like the first ever high lady and it's a big deal but also i don't, I don't get why, why. why. Yeah, she, doesn't get like, she doesn't get like a power for it um so she's pretending that she's with the spring court still and some representatives from the king the the evil king are coming to visit to look for holes in the wall between the worlds of humans and fairies. Yeah. Yes. Um, Literally. So she wants to get information from them. And also with them is Ianthe, who is the... She's like... F- she. I picture her like Effie Trinket in the Hunger <laughs> she's, a, she's a priestess, and she's very horny. And this is a thing that has come up... I've read, um, I think, almost all of Sarah Massa's books at this point... And she has a repeated thing where she often has a character who is a woman who sexually assaults men, which she all and oh and by the way, this has also happened to Reese by Amarantha, the the um evil fairy queen. And I it's definitely a recurring trope and it definitely happens in her other series too, and I don't know what to say about it, but I feel like it's noteworthy and I feel like for it to be a scenario where the woman has enough, like, power and whatever to sexually assault a man. Like, it definitely happens in real life, but it happens so much in her books. Why? Can I say one other thing about a thing that seems to be one of her things? And I'm just starting her other series right now. She's very specific about, you know, usually with these books, there's a big virginity loss situation. Mm. There's a massive build to a virginity loss in in both book series, it's very clear that this is not a virginity law situation, which mm-hmm. I which I appreciated, right? It's like, no, this woman is already, like, she's, like, that 
straight heroine, but you know, she did a guy in the hay. Yes. <laughs> literally. And, and like <laughs> she totally had sex with him in the hay. And it's not like her virginity lost to some man is going to like unlock the secrets of the kingdom. Because I did that is a thing sometimes. Yes, yes for sure. So she doesn't get into that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. That's a... I, sure. Yeah. Get point... One yeah. point Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> one point Night Court. <laughs> but so, so there's, like, this ritual where, like, one night during the year, the the king of the... The, Lord, the High Lord of Spring. Yeah. yeah like, has to fuck somebody or cave. spring won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> spring will literally not happen. There's no... The harvest. Yes. So while she was gone... Tamlin was so distraught that he couldn't do it. So he sent his friend Lucian to do it instead. And this priestess, Ianthe, like, essentially, she didn't assault him there because he did it willingly because he, it was, like, part of a ritual. So he was like, oh, like, I don't like you, but, like, we have to have sex in a cave now, so. Or spring literally won't happen. <laughs> right. So... Lush, there's a couple there's a couple people in the spring court who like have cottoned on to the fact that she is not who she says she is at this point and Lucian is one of them he was like the Tamlin's best friend but also kind of her best fairy friend and also Lucian by the way originally came from the autumn court so he's like an immigrant to spring court yeah so yeah while they're out He's he's already figured out that something's weird with her. And while they're out, like, investigating these holes in the wall, Ianthe, like, she's getting ready to leave because she's found all the information she needs to find about this other kingdom. But she hears Ianthe, like, starting to... Not quite starting to assault him, but like cornering him and being like, "Oh, like we have to have sex now." I was waiting for you to come to me after that, and he's like, "It's a ritual. Like I don't want you. I don't like you. I have a mate now." By the way, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, when her sister was turned into a fairy, suddenly I guess Lucian was like, "Oh, like she's I made it to her now, but she doesn't want to see me." Because her sister Elaine was engaged to a human who was racist against fairies. Yes. Yeah. And so now that she's a fairy, obviously that's off. <laughs> yeah. So, but so, uh, because Lucian is still sort of her friend, uh, fucking what's her name? Uh, Favor yeah. goes back and makes Ianthe break her own hand with a rock. Yeah. Because one of the powers she got from Night Court, and by the way, this I think is also partly why people think Night Court is shady, is because they get mind control powers. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) So then, like, they flee together and eventually get back to the Night Court, and Lucian's, like, kind of not totally on board with it at first, but also... Otherwise, he'll die because they go through the Autumn Court, which he's in exile from, mm-hmm. and his brothers try to murder them. And I don't know. Stuff and Feyre, by the way, no one else knows that she, in the process of being reborn, she gained all the fairy powers. So she accidentally, or like, knows she has to reveal that her ice power so that they don't die. Yeah. Um, but so they get back to the Night Court, and then like, she immediately. When Reef shows up, like, immediately he sends everyone away so they can fuck. Yeah, they because she's been without her mate for a while, so when she is reunited, she must have sex immediately. It's a really horny time. Not yeah. not for a season to start, just, just because. Just because. Yeah. Also, another reason Lucian wants to go is because her sisters are at Night Court, including the one that he's mated Bond to. 
So they they do a whole bunch of like political posturing, trying to figure out how they can get allies in this war against Highburn and his folks. Mm-hmm. They go back to meet with the humans. And Elaine, the sister's human boyfriend, makes it very clear. Because she had been, like, holding out hope that I'm different from the other fairies. And he was like, no, fuck you. And so that was upsetting for her. Um, And they they fuck a bunch more times. Yeah. So many things happen, but it's mostly fucking. Uh, It's not mostly. That's just all that I care about. (laughs) Um, Eventually, like, they have, like, this this deal with the human queens. The thing with these books is the stakes are always extremely high, but then always shifting where it's like, this is our absolute last chance. We absolutely have to do this. Oh, that didn't work. Actually, wait, we could do this other thing. And they're, and that's, you know, in the first one, like she dies and it's like, Oh, but then we can bring her back. And there's always like a, but so even if something fails or even if it seems very dire, They'll figure something else out. Yeah, like, they do a whole bunch of, like, they have to get this cauldron so that they can do something. I don't really know what. <laughs> Save the magic. I don't know. Also, they have to nullify the cauldron. Yes. <laughs> if I can tell you, like, nullify the cauldron is, like, it's a phrase that I would say is used frequently. Yes. Frequently, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a literal cauldron. I know we mentioned that, but I have to mention it again because I kept having to go back and look. It's a literal cauldron. And by the way, Feyre's sister Nesta is so traumatized by having been in the cauldron that she can't take baths in a bathtub anymore. Yeah. She's been in that cauldron. She knows what's up. <laughs> So something, I don't know, a whole bunch of stuff happens. And I mean, like, they have, like, a big, like, fairy UN meeting where they get all the courts together. And obviously there's all these tensions and it's very fraught and nobody thinks that Tamlin from Spring Court will come. And, it, by the way, there's such a disconnect because in the first, I can't get, I can't stress this enough. In the first book, you're like, oh, Tamlin's so kind and he's so thoughtful and I'm, I'm so happy she's with Tamlin. And then in this one, it's like, fuck Tamlin. He's a monster. He comes in, he like rolls into court and just starts slut-shaming Feyre. It's, I mean, they're having a really important meeting and he, and he's just like having his you ought to know moment where he's like, <laughs> He's, he's Would she go her. down on you in a theater? <laughs> and he, I mean, and she would. <laughs> having only read this one, like he does seem like a monster. Like there's a part where she's still pretending to be in Spring Court, where he finds out she did something, and he like literally loses his shit so bad that he throws a table at her. Yeah, yeah. And she's like fucked up by it. Like she's covered in bruises and cuts. But he's so sorry, so she needs to stay, because he's so sorry, he didn't mean to throw a literal table at her. Yeah, and Sarah J. Moss is, like, she's really trying to have it on every which way with this, because because you we do see that Feyre was, like, really strongly manipulating him, including using a little bit of, like, her mind powers to make this happen, because she wants everyone else also to think that Tamlin is a monster, but also he did do this. And so then, spoilers, by the end of this, he does get redeemed again. And I'm like, is kind he of, Kind of. I don't know. He's really set. I don't know. Yeah. So they, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, what's her name? Elaine tells, she, it turns out she's psychic now. 
Yes. And she tells them there's another, because they had already been betrayed by two of the human queens, and she informs them there's another one. So Lucian, trying to win her favor, is like, I'm going to go find her for you. And it turns out there is another queen, and so he brings her along with their father and a human army to have this battle. But then the evil king gets a hold of their father and kills him. And then, like, Elaine loses her shit. Well, first, uh, Nessa? Nestra? Nesta. Nesta loses her shit, but she doesn't kill him. So then Elaine comes and, like, steals Nesta's sword and does kill the evil king. And is that the end? Well, then, um, then they have to use the cauldron to remake. Oh yeah, because there's more death. There's more death. Come back to life. Yeah, yeah, because Reese something has to happen, and Reese sacrifices himself into the cauldron, and Feyre has to like channel him into the cauldron or something, just for like maximum potential angst and drama. But then, if you'll recall, when Feyre died, all the High Lords gave, like, a magic grain and brought her back to life. And so she's like, hey, could y'all do that again? And they're like, yeah. So, <laughs> so they bring back, like, it was their, like, arch enemy in some cases. They're like, it's cool. We all gotta live through this. So, yeah. So it's pretty much happily ever after for... For now. They have another big fairy UN meeting afterwards where they have... Because there was... This whole other subplot with these two humans. Are they, were they humans on their own secret island or were they fairies? Oh, the what? lost like, ones. Yeah. Um, um, Miriam and... What's his name? The other guy. Yeah. D- Dagon? Something like that. Sure. <laughs> we, we read so carefully. For all the times I've read this that I can't retain any plot points. It, it truly... I cannot stress enough. It truly doesn't matter. Yeah, they they have a secret island, and they're like, "Well, could you keep the cauldron on your secret island?" That's so secret that, like, literally at the end, they're like, "Oh, like we would have come to help sooner, but our island is so secret that messengers never were able they, to find there it." There is something in this series where, like, she deals with technology, and like, there's like a texting scene, sort of, but instead of texting, she'll write a, a note and it vanishes. Oh, yeah, and then he gets the note, and then he'll write a note and it vanishes, and she gets the note, but it's like. It's like fairy text. It's yes. like we're gonna do it with magic. They have that, but then also once once you have a mating bond, then you can just like mentally I am each other all the time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You're like, mm, and then it's there. Mm-hmm. By the way, another thing of Sarah Moss's is, I guess she likes it when characters teach each other how to read. Because uh, Pharaoh was illiterate at the start of this, and then Reese taught her how to read. And that also happens in Throne of Glass. Oh, it does? Yes. Okay. I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or maybe it's in one of the later books. I just remember being like, well, that's a thing with you. And of course, he teach in this, he teaches her how to read by teaching her sentences that are compliments to himself. Yes. Like, Reese is so sexy. Reese is so amazing. And she, those are the sentences he forces her to learn to read. Well, that's the main literary vocabulary that you need to survive in the society. Right. right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's basically the plot, as it were. Yeah. I mean, one thing we've left out is, like, the kind of, like, the breakfast club of Night Court, of, like, the kind of six other main friends who have their own little romantic intrigues going. And I mainly mention that because of... Because this book seems like it wraps up pretty well, but then a fourth one came out, and yeah. and Meredith has read it, and I had I deliberately didn't read it yet because I knew if I read it, I would be even more confused while doing this podcast. It's a lot of like it's a little bit of the main characters, but it's a lot of side characters. So it's like 
a little bit like, what's Ron Weasley up to? It's like a little bit like, oh, he's not here right now. He's like, so clearly she's going to spin off to like some other people. Yeah. But one of the, so one of the side characters, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take over for a minute yeah. and do it, talk do it. about like the really fucked up queer content in this book. Yes. Um, one of the side characters is Reese's cousin, sister. Not, not sister. I think cousin. I think cousin. Some of them are straight up just friends, though. Yeah, but I think I think more is the cousin because she because she's like of like royal or high blood or whatever, um, and she there's this one of the other fairies, Azriel, like follows her around is like clearly in love with her, and she kind of blows him off, and explains eventually the reason that she's blowing him off is because she. I'm I'm using the language of the book to describe this mm-hmm. because she prefers females, but she will have sex with male. She will take male lovers, but like doesn't. But then implies that she doesn't actually enjoy it. But then later says that she does enjoy it fine, but she could never be in a relationship with a male. But then Feyre observes that every time she's seen her take a male lover she has been very like self-hating and upset and like unwell afterwards so this isn't like it doesn't read to me like a case of like she's bisexual or even like she's bisexual and homoromantic it reads really weird and gross Mm -hmm. and not great and she can't tell anyone that she's gay or whatever well, that's she is. A, like, why? Yeah, because that's so she, weird. Yeah. She claims that, like, fairy virginity is, like, a big deal in women. And so her family was going to marry her oh, off right. to the son of the Autumn Court. But she didn't want that because she didn't like him. So she, like, randomly had sex with another guy. Her friend. Yes. Yeah, her friend. So that she could get it over with. So that she would be, quote unquote, sullied. So that... They wouldn't want her. And then there's this whole thing with, like, a nail in her womb, which I don't... Yeah. So then after they found out about that... I mean, she's the survivor of some extremely violent sexual assault that is not addressed very well. Yeah. So she talks about how, like, she can't tell her family that she wants a female lover because her whole... The whole point of her existence is to make more for the, the royal line, the high line... But at this point, she's already been... First of all, there are other characters who are mated to... Yes. Even, like, even in the olden times and, like, the stories that they tell, like, one of their legends is about a queer woman fairy couple. And everybody's, like, high-fiving them. Yes. And, like, one of the other high lords is bi, although that's weird also, the way it's handled. Apparently he can only... He's bi, but that means that he only wants threesomes. Yes. So that's a great... That's great. It's like so great. That's definitely not like a huge stereotype that's untrue or anything. It's it's so weird. Yeah. So I I kind of buy originally like, okay, yeah, when she's living with her shitty family and like they have this, you know, she's supposed to marry and like have princess fairy kids or whatever. But that was five hundred years ago. Right. From the point we are in the narrative now. And so she's spent the last literally 500 years living with um the night court and like in the chill court of dreams where like you can do whatever and they're chill and like no one else would care so it's just been like her 
not wanting to say anything to like her close friends for, I cannot stress this enough, literally 500 years. Yeah. And she tells Feyre because she was like, oh, like I saw you leaving for battle and I was like, oh my God, you're going to die and you'll never know the secret about me. And I promised myself that if you came back, I would tell you. But that doesn't, like, she wouldn't tell, like, her other best friends who she's known for longer than literally four months. Yeah. Like, it doesn't track. And the whole, I mean, like I was saying before, like, if, if there are, if there exist queer mated pairs, then it doesn't make sense that they would be this against queerness, but also, like... If they, if they're not, and it's just her family, like, why that now that she's not living with her family, does she not come out to her friends? It is all, like, a really weird mess. The way that it's written is really problematic. And it's so, and it's so in the last, like, 50 pages of this 600-page book. It's very Oh, also this. Uh, And I think... I don't know. My suspicion is that she, you know, got online. The other thing we haven't mentioned, I think, is that... She got online. <laughs> she got online. She knows the internet. It's the first... It's the, gate, it's the gateway to... <laughs> By she, I mean Sarah J. Mass. I think she got online and was like, oh, yeah, like, I I haven't had any queer book characters in these books. I forgot. Let me put this in. That's fine. Um, but it is weird because we haven't mentioned either that Sarah Mass has posted a lot of things to fictionpress.com, which is like the non-fanfiction version of fanfiction.net. And like, so you know, and that's what sh- these originally were posted, or the other series started in Fiction Press. So you know if she's there. You know she's been on fanfiction.net. You know she's in this fanfiction world. So what are you doing? It's, it is all, it's very... It's a, a a view of queerness that I would not expect from an author the age that Sarah J. Mass is writing currently in the time period. It, it just doesn't... It, it's very... I can't think of the word that I want to use, but like it, it's, it feels very like, I feel like this would be something, a paragraph that would be in a book that was published in the eighties mm-hmm. where we would like give them points and be like, all right, well, you know, it wasn't for the eighties. This is, this is pretty good in a mainstream New York times bestselling book, but it's not the eighties. It's 2018. And this isn't good. No. And so let's maybe talk a little bit about the fourth book actually is because that was one thing I was wondering. Does more get a lady friend in that book? No, I mean, and, sure. and I'm going to say this with the disclaimer that as with all the other books, I immediately forget the plot points, but yeah, I do naturally. remember the sexual stuff. So from my memory, there's no, there's none of that. And I, I, I hope that I, <laughs> my hopes and dreams in, in the dream, in the court of dreams is that <laughs> she's just getting her own book at some point. Maybe, although that could be a mess. I don't know. But, um, no, it's some politics. It's actually like aftermath of the war where like people are mad and there's a lot of doing it. There's doing it in the air. They yeah. like are flying Fuck while yes. having um, intercourse while flying. And and there's some Nesta. There's sort of, it's, it's really like a bridge to whatever the next book is. So it's shorter. It's, and it feels almost like somebody wrote fan fiction of her books, but it's actually her writing it. So, you know, it's like just some extra stuff, but it's not like a whole thing. Um, but no, more, more is not any more developed after that.
Good to know. Right. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it. The whole thing is very, very strange. It, um, it is, and it's interesting you say that about her age because I do get the sense she's like, what is she like, thirty? The writer, like, she's really young because she's written seven thousand books at this point. So many. Um, and one thing I was saying when I read the fourth one is that. I feel like there's a little bit of inconsistency about, like, what magical world are we in? Because the character talks about wearing a flannel, like, Feyre talks about wearing a flannel robe. And I just was thinking about, like, how flannel is made and where it comes from and the word flannel. And, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get my flannel robe at, like, Target. And I feel like, (laughs) where is she getting her flannel robe? Like, maybe I'm not understanding but yeah I don't know it took me straight out of like I was like is that in the human lands did you get it in Perinthian or whatever it's called like where is it what court has that that's kind of how I felt also about the court of night or the court of dreams has all these like lingerie shops oh yeah they have lingerie shops they do like multiple lingerie shops right for the for your horny fairy needs and they also have a gay bar by the way (laughs) they have a gay bar in what is called the rainbow it's in the rainbow right Yeah. yeah Which, you know, they, they're not being subtle. She's not, she's not big on subtlety. So, again, more. It's been literally 500 years. And, I, again, I told, like, come out of the closet on your own schedule. Like, you don't owe that to anyone. But also, whatever century feels good for you. <laughs> also, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. But I think fundamentally you're right. It's either, like, you're either mating people and everybody knows it's a natural, wonderful thing or everybody, or you're not like pick, pick a lane on this one. The other thing about the mating bond that they make clear, and it maybe is just to sort of add some suspense is that it seems like a fair amount of the time, the mating bond is actually bad. And so I think it's Tamlin's parents were mated, but also the dad was like kind of abusive, but like they were mated. So whatever. And it's like, I don't understand what you think soulmate means. I don't understand why you would I mean that seems horrible if your soulmate is not if you're not a good match with your soulmate then what does soulmate mean yeah and I and it's like a bat it's also you don't really hear about couples in these books where they're mated and they're like we're we just don't get along so we're gonna break up right no, you're stuck with that person yeah because well because you've got that mental I am connection yeah you've got mental I am's coming from a shitty guy what <laughs> god <laughs> You can't even block his number. Right, no, he's in your head. Ugh. I mean, listen, this is not a good plot summary. We left out hella stuff, but I think we said all the stuff that we wanted to say. Also, this book is literally 700 pages long. Yeah. Yeah. The main thing is they're very horny. And uh, I think... (laughs) I think we should move on to our dramatic readings. I think think that's a good idea. sounds good. (laughs) The first one is when... Uh, Reese and Farah are going to the library to do some research about the Horcruxes, but surprise, they're horny. <laughs> and and uh, Meredith will read for Farah, who's also the narrator of these, and I will be Reese. And Get keep in mind, like their worlds are falling apart, but there's always time to be horny. Yes. Okay. And he's he's like made a library, which is actually a haven for women also. Oh, yeah. Everyone who works in the library is uh, a woman who has survived sexual abuse. <laughs> Saying this stuff out loud. <laughs> it just... It, it's, when you say it out loud, it sounds so different than when you read when it. When you say stuff like that, you're like, oh, she just got like a bunch of like hurt comfort prompts from her Tumblr and was like, yep, this is it. This is my recovery library for women who have survived sexual assault. Right. And let's fuck in it. All right, here we go. My eyes burned, and I blinked as I faced the books. 
And I suppose, I said with an effort at lightness, that it's a miracle that I could actually read these things. <laughs> Reese's answering smile was lovely and just a bit wicked. I believe my little lessons helped. Yes, Reese is the greatest lover a female can hope for is undoubtedly how I learned how I learned to read. <laughs> I was only trying to tell you what you now know. My blood heated a, a bit. Hmm, was all I said, pulling a book toward me. I'll take that hmm as a challenge. His hand slid down my thigh, then cut my knee, his thumb brushing along its side. Even through my leathers, the heat of him seeped to my very bones. Maybe I'll haul you between the stacks and see how quiet you can be. Hmm. I flipped through the pages, not seeing any any of the text. His hand began a lethal, taunting exploration of my thigh, his fingers grazing along the sensitive inside. Higher, higher. He leaned in to drag a book toward himself, but whispered in my ear. Or maybe I'll spread you out on this desk and lick you until you scream loud enough to wake whatever is at the bottom of the library. I whipped my head toward him. His eyes were glazed, almost sleepy. I was fully committed to that plan, I said, even as his hand stopped very, very close to the apex of my thighs until you brought in that thing down below. A feline smile. He held my stare as his tongue brushed his bottom lip. My breast tightened beneath my shirt and his gaze dropped, watching. I would have thought that our bout this morning would be enough to tide you over until tonight. His hand slid between my legs, brazenly cupping me, his thumb pushing down on an aching spot. A low groan slipped from me and my cheeks heated in its wake. Apparently, I didn't do a good enough job sating you if you're so easily riled after a few hours. Prick, I breathed, but the word was ragged. His thumb pressed down harder, circling roughly. Reese leaned in again, kissing my cheek, kissing my neck that placed right under my ear and set against my skin. Let's see what names you call me when my head is between your legs, Feyre, darling. And then he was gone. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going? Yes, I want to... He winnowed away, half of the books with him. I started, my body foreign and cold, dizzy and disoriented. Where the hell are you? I scanned around me and found nothing but shadow and merry f- flame and books. Side note, the dialogue here is has switched to italics, which we all know means mental IMing. <laughs> two levels below. And why are you two levels below? I shoved out of my chair, back aching in protest, as I stormed for the, ha- for the walkway and rail beyond, then peered down into the gloom. Sure enough, in a reading area two levels below, I could spy his dark hair and wings, could spy him leaning back in his chair before an identical desk, an ankle crossed over his knee, smirking up at me. Because I can't work with you distracting me. I scowled at him. I'm distracting you? If you're sitting next to me, the last thing on my mind is reading dusty old books. Especially when you're in all that tight leather. Pig. (laughs) By the way, the thing at the bottom of the library is like a demon monster that they later let out to fight in the war with them. Yeah. Why is it in the library? I don't know. With all the women who have been sexually assaulted. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Not great. Yeah. All right, our next dramatic reading is uh, in when they're having their fairy UN meeting and Tamlin storms in to slut-shame Feyre in the middle of it. 
and there's too many characters for us to divide up the dialogue, so Meredith is just gonna just gonna give it all to I'm you. I'm gonna give it all. And I and I'm gonna do this. I mean, this is like the the real housewives <laughs> drama seeking ex boyfriend trying to slut shame his girlfriend, ex girlfriend, in front of her new boyfriend, and he's just mad. He's just he's okay. So this starts with Reese. I'm not in the business of discussing our plans with enemies. Hellion, across the reflection pool, grinned like a lion. No, Tamlin said with equal ease. You're just in the business of fucking them. Every thought and sound eddied out of my head. Is it Cassian? Cassian? Asriel and Moore were still as death, their fury rippling off them in silent waves. But whether Tamlin noticed or cared that three of the deadliest people in this room were currently contemplating his demise, he didn't let on. Reese shrugged, smiling faintly. Seems a far less destructive alternative to war. And yet here you are, having started it in the first place. Rhysand's blink was the only sign of his confusion. A claw slid out of Tamlin's knuckle. Callius, Callius? Tensed, a hand drifting to the arm of Vivian's chair, as if he'd throw himself in front of it. But Tamlin only dragged that claw lightly down the carved arm of his own chair as he'd once dragged them down my skin. He smiled as if he knew precisely what memory it triggered, <laughs> but said to my mate, if you hadn't stolen my bride away in the night, Resand, I would not have been forced to take such drastic measures to get her back. I said quietly, the sun was shining when I left you. Those green eyes slid to me, glazed and foreign. He let out a low snort and looked away again, dismissal. Callius asked, why are you here, Tamlin? Tamlin's claw dug into the wood, puncturing deep, even as his voice remained mild. I had no doubt that gesture was meant for me, too. I bartered access to my lands to get back the woman I love from a sadist who plays with minds as if they are toys. I meant to fight Highburn to find a way around the bargain I made with the king once she was back. Only Rhysand and his cabal had turned her into one of them, and she delighted in ripping open my territory for Highburn to invade. All for a petty grudge, either her own or her master's. You don't get to rewrite the narrative, I breathed. You don't get to spin this to your advantage. Tamlin only angled his head at Reese. When you fuck her, have you ever noticed that little noise she makes right before she climaxes? Heat stained my cheeks. This wasn't outright battle, but a steady, careful shedding of, shredding of my dignity, my credibility. Baron beamed, delighted, while Eris carefully monitored. Reese turned his head, looking me over from head to toe, then back to Tamlin, a storm about to be unleashed. But it was Azrael who said, his voice like a cold death, be careful how you speak about my high lady. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I think, you know, he just, he just wants to be like you put out for others. Yeah, I mean, this goes on for a while, but yeah. those, that was the best drama moments, I think. Of that whole scene. All right. And last up, uh, we are getting more coming out after, again, literally 500 years. And uh, <laughs> Kate will be more and I will be Feyre reacting. You were right about me, though. You were. I don't love Azriel. I remain perfectly still listening. No, that's not true either. I I do love him as my family. And sometimes I wonder if it can be more, but I do not love him. 
not the way he he feels for me. Have you ever loved him that way? No. No, I don't. You see, I can't love him that way. Why? Because I prefer females. But you sleep with males. You slept with Hellion and had looked terrible the next day. Tortured and not at all sated. Not just because of Azriel, but because it wasn't what she wanted. I do find pleasure in them. In both. But I've known since I was little more than a child that I prefer females, that I'm attracted to them more over males, that I connect with them, care for them more on that soul-deep level. But at the Hewn City, all they care about is breeding and their bloodlines, making alliances through marriage. Someone like me, if I were to marry where my, where my heart desired, that doesn't sound like that's the right whatever, there would be no offspring. My father's bloodline would have ended with me. I knew it. I knew that I could never tell them, ever. People like me were reviled by them, considered selfish for not being able to pass on the bloodline. So I never breathed a word of it. And then, when my father betrothed me to Eris... Eris? Sure. That guy. (laughs) And... And it wasn't just the prospect of marriage to him that scared me. No, I knew I could survive his brutality, his cruelty and coldness. I was, I am stronger than him. It was, it was the idea of being bred like a prize mare, of being forced to give up that one part of me. I slept with Cassian because I knew it would mean little to him too, because I knew that doing it would buy me a shot at freedom. If I had told my parents that I preferred females... You've met my father. He and Biren would have uh, would have tied me to that marriage bed for Iris. Literally. But sullied. I knew my shot at freedom laid there. And I saw how Azriel looked at me. Knew how he felt. And if I'd chosen him, it wouldn't have been fair to him. So I slept with Cassian. And Azriel thought I deemed him unsuitable. And then everything happened. And... After Azriel found me with that note nailed to my womb, I tried to explain, but he started to confess what he felt, and I panicked, and and to get him to stop, to keep him from saying he loved me, I just turned and left, and I couldn't face explaining it after that, to Az, to the others. I sleep with males in part because I enjoy it, but also to keep people from looking too closely. Reese wouldn't care. I don't think anyone in Valeris would. Valeris is a haven for people like me. Rita's, the owner there is like me. A lot of us go there without anyone, without anyone really ever picking up on it. No wonder she practically lived at the pleasure hall. But this part of me, it didn't matter as much when my family disowned me, when they called me a whore and a piece of trash, when they hurt me. Because those things, they weren't part of me weren't true and weren't intrinsic. They couldn't break me because because they never touched that innermost part of me. They never even guessed. But I hid it. I've hidden it because, because I live in terror of my family finding out and shaming me, hurting me about this one thing that has remained wholly mine, this one part of me. So I won't let them. Won't let them destroy it or try to. So I've rarely... 
during the war, I finally took my first female lover. And we stop there because it just fucking goes on from there. It's con- it, it, it's pretty inconsistent. It is very inconsistent and very like fucking I don't. Her family's disowned her. I don't know. They disowned her anyway. It's yeah, right. Yeah. And also, like, I find it really hard to believe that there's a gay bar that no one realizes is a gay bar. Well, she also basically says Valerius <laughs> is like super gay and cool about it, but like, yet no one calls the gay bar the gay bar. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. no one realizes that's why all these people are hanging out there. I mean, like... it's literally in the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, like, all a mess, and then, like, it goes on to be more of a mess later on in this whole section, and it's just (coughs) great. It's great. It's fucked up. So let's play some Would You Rather. Sounds good. And by Would You Rather, we are just straight up playing some fucking marrying killing, because that's mainly what these books are about. So first up fucking marrying killing which of course is in tribute to bill o'reilly and his killing whatever books um so our first trio is tamlin reese and lucian uh i gotta say i think i would kill tamlin fuck reese and marry oh my god i'm sorry (laughs) i can't believe i know we've just had a traumatic experience I would killing Tamlin, fucking Reese, because he seems to be good at it, I guess, and marrying Lucian, because he seems to be a good dude. Um, I think I would marrying Reese, because then I would be High Lady of Night Court, and that seems <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah. Just going to be in there making jokes all the time. Uh I barely even remember Night Court the show, by the way, but I just I remember <laughs> I it, it well. I, I remember it, well. it enough to think it's hilarious, uh, and want to be its high lady. Killing Tamlin, yeah, and and fucking Lucian. All these fairies are probably good at sex, right? I I need to. I'm gonna marry Reese. No, you have to marrying. Oh, I have to marrying. It's, right, I'm yes. marrying. <laughs> I'm marrying Reese. I'm fucking Tamlin, and I'm killing. Lucian. Lucian. Interesting. Lucian. Because yeah. I just sort of feel like he's sort of like always a little bit in the way. And I just mm-hmm. sort of feel like I want to know. I think I'm I'm with. I want to have some sort of sexual experience with Tamlin, but he's in that mask. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know like how it works. I want to know like what a hindrance it is. That's what I want to do. <laughs> you know, um, I think there's a lot of people on the Internet who who have thoughts about that. Um, okay, next up, Farah, Elaine, and Nesta, which are her two sisters. And Elaine is the pretty one, and Nesta is the mean one. I think... Hmm. Okay, I think I would fucking Nesta, and marrying Farah, I guess, and killing Elaine. Elaine doesn't seem to have that much going on, she's to gardening. She likes gardening. She likes gardening. She's very pretty and she's very nice. She did develop the power to see the future, which is cool, but whatever. I think I would fucking Feyre, marrying Elaine, and killing Nesta. I am also fucking Feyre, marrying Elaine, and killing Nesta. I just sort of feel like I don't have time for that much bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were Seems in the exhausting. cauldron, but like... The bath is different than the cauldron. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Certainly fair. 
And last up, uh, we have Amran, who we haven't talked about at all, and who is some kind of, like, demon goddess trapped in a mortal body or something. Um, and then Moore, who we just talked about, and then Ianthe, the slutty priestess. I would fucking Amran because there's there's got to be something weird with that. Yeah. Like, I bet it would be bonkers. Marrying more because she really just needs a woman to teach her that it's okay to be queer and killing Yanthi because no. Yeah, I'm also fucking Amran, marrying more, killing Ianthi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that definitely seems like the most straightforward way to go. But just to be different, I think I'm going to fucking more mm. and then hope, you know, that can can set her on her journey to finding absolutely the right woman for her. Cause I don't know that that's me. Um, and then marrying Amran. Cause I don't necessarily think that that vow would hold after she like transformed shape. And I feel like then we could probably move on from that and then still killing Anthony cause she's gross. All right. Good game, everyone. Uh, moving on to reader's advisory where we'll suggest some books to read instead of, or in addition to these, uh, I have to say like, I read all of these, and I read all of her other books. There is something compelling about them if you want some, like, trashy YA fantasy something. Like, I'm not going to tell you they're good, but I'm going to tell you I read all of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the perennial suggestion on this show of just read some fan fiction holds for this. So that's one... I mean, I know it's probably on everybody's list, but yeah, like I would say, I I feel like when I read Graceling, mm-hmm. it's like super well written in some ways and like people are still horny when you don't even expect them to be. Mm-hmm. So like you can have it and there's like other worlds and stuff and weird rules and and like some gender issues, but also some horniness. Yeah. Yeah. The Graceling trilogy is really good. Yeah. Um, also, I would say Ash by Melinda Lowe, mm-hmm. um, which is less of the horniness, but more of the fairy tale retelling with actual queer people and is also just very well written. One thing I'm looking forward to is DC has their Icons YA series where they're getting established YA authors to write books about their characters. And uh, they got Sarah J. Mast to write about Catwoman. And I just think that book is going to be so weird and horny and I can't wait to read it. I also did genuinely like the other, the Wonder Woman and Batman ones that have come out so far, although they were not that horny. Yeah, I need I need them to be horny. <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll also take this moment to once again plug Meredith Goldstein's book Chemistry Lessons, which should there's be, some horniness. It's horny. It's not fantasy, but it's horny. It's fun. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I mentioned before it has the only the only teen character responding appropriately to finding their parents' sex diary. True. So you gotta give it credit for I that. Had, I had not even thought about that, and now <laughs> I know that that, that is a, that's definitely a plot point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. You'll like it if you. I don't know if you like things that are fun and good. <laughs> Uh, I'll throw out a couple more. We will have more of these on the website. I mean, there's there's a lot of, like, YA fantasy out there, and that's mainly what we're looking for <laughs> here. But I just read Children of, of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, and that uh, is, like, a 
fantasy series based in West African mythology. It's really cool. It's not very horny, but you can see they're building up to it. They're setting up <laughs> some couples, waiting for book two to be hornier. Yeah, I don't read a ton of fantasy. I like YA fantasy more than adult fantasy because, I mean, these books are long, actually, but they still, they don't tend to go as full on into the world building details and like stuff that I don't care about as much. They they tend to be a little bit more focused in on the characters and just sort of like, you know, like you'll get it. Like, I don't know. They, they tend to be more manageable for me than a lot of adult fantasy that's just like, it's, it's a thousand pages long and there's like a family tree in it and a map and all of this. I'm like, oh, it's too much. Uh, YA fantasy tends to be more manageable for me personally and like my, what I'm looking for out of a fantasy book. Is there a map in front of Graceling? I think there might be. I think there is. And like, listen, it's fine if there's a map. I just am never going to look at it or rem- <laughs> or remember the fake geography that you want me to remember. And I'm just gonna, oh, they had they had to travel a distance. I don't know. They went to Canada. It's fine. I don't care. The Soulless series by Gail Carriger. That's a sort of fantasy, sort of horny, sort of mystery. No maps involved. Yeah, so we'll have these and some other ones up on our website, worstbestsellers.com, and we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we'll suggest a a candy to accompany this book. Uh, I think my candy would be a bag of, like, homemade trail mix without any of the good stuff in it. Like, there's no, it's just, like, leftover stale pretzels and, like, non-salted peanuts. Uh, but there have been a couple handfuls of gummy penises mixed in <laughs> with it. And not the ratio is not necessarily what you'd expect. And it is not like great taste wise. But there it is. Uh, mine would be like edible underwear. But that you ordered off the internet and it came with like a lot of packaging. So you're like trying to get to it, trying to get to it. And then it's finally there. And then you're like... I don't actually know what I'm going to do with this, but it was like, you know, like, do I wear this or is it like just kind of for fun sex times? I don't know. But I enjoyed something about the process of it. I will, I chose cotton candy, which is like basically my favorite Mm. thing in the world. But I say that because when they describe the inside of the wings, which are like highly sexual and erogenous Mm -hmm, zony. There's something that's, like, sort of scaly but webby about the inside and the way they feel, and I imagine it, like, feels like cotton candy is, like, split, like, like painted over it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, now it is time for the Rock, Paper, Snicked, the game where I say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Kate says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and Meredith will choose which most enhances the book. Okay. Or you can just paper, which is to leave it as is. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, uh, he would just be some, like, random human in a random human town who would not be involved with any of this fairy nonsense, uh, not really pulled into all of the random political stuff. And, uh, yeah, he'd just be doing his thing and not getting wrapped up in all of the insanity of the war with the fairy people. It would be a much more sedate book and much less horny, Mm -hmm. uh, but it would be about the rock. So pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Wolverine were in this book, he would fuck Amran and it would be like really graphic. Like I think 
I don't even know if Amron has claws, but I imagine she has claws. And I, she, because she is this like demon question mark person. I think it would just be like very hardcore. And other than that, the book would be the same. I have to tell you that we don't get to hear a lot about the human lands. Like there's just some sort of people who don't like the fairies, but the idea that there's being a subplot where like the rock is like managing and sort of governing a group of humans, like on the other side, like, and like all the fairies go over to like enslave them and nope, just kidding. It's the rock. And he's like, just waiting there. I, I would be interested to know what would happen. So good. Great. Well, I'm still going to write fan fiction about, <laughs> about Wolverine it. and whatever Amarin's supposed to be. What do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, I think the moral of the story is that Sarah J. Mass needs to make a gay friend. Mm. Uh, my, my moral is if you're horny enough and I guess straight enough, things will probably work out all right in the end for you. Uh, I would say that the moral for me is that even though, like, you have this incredible love story and it ends with, like, you, like, spooning and you're like, this is it, this is my soulmate, wait for the second book and the third (laughs) book because it's a totally different guy. So it's the second guy, assuming (laughs) it's a guy you want. Um, But yes, that is the moral. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on like I think it's hard when you're living your life to know like when your first book ends like where am I at in the trilogy of my life? <laughs> am I gonna have a spinoff series? I don't know. <laughs> uh, if I did have a spinoff series, it would be about Duarte, of course. And so now it's time for Duarte's corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, you are probably right that we should have just skipped this and waited for that Catwoman book. I can absolutely see where you would be much more interested to hear what Sarah Mass has to say about Catwoman than any of these fairies. And uh, I don't know what to tell you, except it's not out yet. Yeah, and while I can see how a court of cats would appeal to you, it doesn't really fit with like the naming conventions mm. of the rest of the fairy world. So, I mean, maybe there should be a spinoff series about all the animal courts, but not. there's already so much happening in these books that I think adding the animal courts would have just weighed it down. But as ever, thanks for your opinions, Dorote, and we'll see you later. All right, do any humans have any closing thoughts? These are pretty wild. This was a wild, wild read. Uh, I will be starting her, continuing on with her other series, um, waiting for people to have sex in the air and to be horny. They're not horny enough for me yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, this was, I rate this level of horniness high. (laughs) Yes. Um, I, I would, before we started recording, Meredith and I were talking a little bit about how we both started reading this series, like, for fun, on our own, uh, shortly after the election. Yes. And I think that has definitely, that mindset will help you with this book. If you are just, like, looking for some escapism, some just fucking nonsense. Like, I left this land and went straight to the spring court. Yes. At a time that I needed to. Yes, and like as dramatic and poorly functioning as the fairy UN seems to be, like at least we don't live there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it doesn't matter if they (laughs) totally derail their meetings the way that the actual UN maybe is. Uh, No, fairies, fairies, fairies. Um, okay. Well, if you want, 
If you want some more uh, horny fairies, if you want some more whatever else we're reading, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter where we're at Worst Bestseller with no S because the S is uh, sacrificed to the cauldron. And I, I still don't know why or like what the cauldron needed that S for, but it, <laughs> it took several chapters for it to get that S, so we let it have it. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that has a complicated URL, so you're better off going to worstbestsellers.com and finding the link from there. You can also subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we're going to have to curse you and then make you undergo three very complicated trials in order to get free or solve a riddle and the answer won't be love this time. <laughs> we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that will go to us to do things like uh, fund website hosting, buy new equipment, uh, all sorts of things. And in exchange, you get perks uh special episodes other things a, a sense of well-being and that you've contributed to our community yes <laughs> uh we also have a merch store which you can find a link to on uh our website worstbestsellers.com where you can purchase our things with our podcast to wear on your body uh finally if you want just if you want more of me live tweeting whatever horny book Sarah Mess comes out with next or pictures of Duarte, you can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want to hear more about Dave Malloy musicals, you <laughs> can follow me on Twitter at 14 Across. Meredith, where can people find you? Meredith Goldsta, like <laughs> up until the E because my name is so long. And there you will find advice column stuff, some book stuff, and then an occasional thought about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I yes. think. I think also uh, everyone listening to this should write in to Meredith's Love Letters column, but just ask for advice for all these fairies. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like or like, I've accidentally fallen into a cauldron. What, what should I do? <laughs> and I'll know it's you, and I'll be so excited. I, I thought that I'd found the love of my life, but then I accidentally soul bonded with another person. Right. <laughs> I am having trouble hiding the tattoo from my current boyfriend. <laughs> oh, well, that one actually. That, that, I'm, that I've actually heard, I think. Yeah. Um, you absolutely should do all of that. And like we mentioned before, check out Meredith's books. Um, Chemistry Lessons is the one coming out that we mentioned. But tell us about your other ones. Oh, yeah. I have a memoir where actually there's a whole chapter in that memoir. It's called Can't Help Myself, but there's a chapter about my reading Twilight a lot of times. Yes. Um, and... It is, yeah, that would be the chapter that I think would be pretty relevant to things <laughs> and, like, why I liked it so much. You know, nothing like a memoir with a chapter about Twilight. Yes. I, I have that in my book stack at home and I haven't read it yet. Oh, and just I, get, just I'm not going to lie, one. that moved it up. Just, no, it's, it's, a, it's a whole chapter about vampires. So, I can't wait. Yeah. And what is the title of your memoir? Oh, Can't Help Myself, Lessons and Confessions from a Modern Advice Columnist. Excellent. All right. Uh, Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And happy early, early, you know, big number. Yes, thank you. So we will be, we will get to that right now. Because this is the part where, no, thank you for the wishes. I appreciate them. Um, Normally, this is the part of the podcast where we tell you what we're reading next time. And here I am telling you, I don't know. Because that's up to you guys. Uh, Our next episode will be our 100th episode. 
and we felt we should do a special book for the 100th episode and then we cracked under the pressure of deciding so we decided to make you guys decide there is a poll that you can vote on actually by the time this episode posts the poll will be closed so yes. uh so we so check the website and you'll know what it is but as of the time we're recording this we don't know what it will be it could be divergent it could be ready player one could be daddy by danielle Steele. Or it could be, uh, he's just not that into you by whoever wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know where it is? It's Greg. It's two people. It's two people. Yeah. Whoever they are. I can't, Uh, their names are unblanking. Yeah. Uh, those are some of our most frequently requested books that we haven't gotten around to yet. And we will read one of them and we're excited to talk about it. Question mark. (laughs) The worst bestseller story. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to 99 episodes. Bye. Bye. Bye.